0: I do not understand this football name in America. How how
1: many of kicks is there in the football
2: game? Six kicks. I'm going to say it once, and hopefully I'm wrong, but it's a disaster waiting to happen. I love all of those
0: things with the piggy skin and the men running around. So much screams, and then a toss, and then everyone is in a large, large hill. A star is born in the NFL. I like the moxie, but I, more importantly, I like the poise. And the noise. Oh, what are you
2: doing? you got to beat with me.
0: It's Jonathan Elway. He was so sassy and cool. And hey, guys, I'm a cowboy. Bang, bang, sling, sling, toss, toss. I'm going to lose all the time. And then I win. And then he leaves as he wins. You cannot beat us. From Munich, Germany, the Broncos and Bratwurst podcast with Kevin Gilligan. Yes, I'm Kevin Gilligan, born and raised in Denver, Colorado, lifelong Broncos fan. I recently moved to Munich, Germany. But as they say, distance makes the heart grow fonder, and so I still love them and love talking about them, even though it's from across the pond. These are the best of days. These are the worst of days. Welcome in, Broncos fans. Interesting week. Um, obviously coming off another extremely disappointing loss. A couple other bad pieces of news this week, and a matchup that should all very much be in favor of of the Denver Broncos coming up this Sunday against the Detroit Lions, who are more banged up and much, much worse than our boys in orange and blue. The Broncos are also going to be in their color, what do they call the color splash uniforms, or color rush uniforms. They look pretty dope. I'm excited for that. I'm going to be watching with a good friend of mine here in Germany, going to stay up and, and drink beer and eat junk and It's going to be awesome. And I think that next week, or this week I should say, against Detroit is going to be a good game. We'll talk about that in the last segment. The last segment is going to be the optimistic segment. (coughs) The middle segment, as always, goes to the skipper dude. And he's kind of a mix. He's going to tell you what he likes and what he doesn't like about this team and them going forward in 2020. And he just might say that the Broncos almost have a better offense than the Chiefs, or more skill players on offense than the Chiefs, so definitely stick around for the Skipper dude in that middle segment. It's a very good one, as always. The first segment, I want to gripe a bit. There's a lot going on that that you know it's kind of makes me unhappy. Um, first of all, the loss to Kansas City is obviously not a fun one. It was one of those games that I really wanted to enjoy because I love snow games. It's not a game I thought they would win. I thought they would lose, but I thought that they would be close. I thought that they would keep it within ten. And, yeah, that didn't happen. We clearly saw that Kansas City is far, far and away a much better team than the Broncos, and that was a little demoralizing. Um, The fact that Mahomes is a better quarterback than Locke is not surprising. The dude was the MVP last year, so that's okay. But I did expect to see more. I expected the defense to show up more than they did. The scheme was clearly uh, clearly Fangio and Scangarello And the entire coaching staff was out-schemed by Andy Reid and his staff, which it's just, what is it, eight losses in a row now to Kansas City? I mean, it starts to get annoying because, as we all know, Kansas City fans are the worst, the most annoying, insufferable, little, you know, blankety-blanks. And I know that, as Denver fans, we're sick of losing. We're sick of losing seasons. But I think, more than anything, for me at least, I'm sick of losing to the Kansas City Chiefs. And... The Broncos have got to take that next step, and you heard from from Cortland Sutton, Von Miller, this extreme negative reaction to the loss, and more so than they've had all year. And I think part of it's because it's a rivalry. I mean, Cortland Sutton was like, "Dude, I hate Kansas City." I love that about Cortland Sutton. Seriously, I love this guy. This is, he is one of my favorite players in the NFL, even if he wasn't playing for the Broncos. He just he plays the right way. He says the right things. The dude's a leader. He's vocal and he's nasty, man. I mean, this guy just—he, you can see it in his eyes. That he's—he's he's got that nasty in him. And I think that that competitive drive—that is going to make him great. I, I really, I really believe this Broncos offense has two players on it, maybe three players on it that could be great. And we'll talk about that again in the third segment. Who I think the two or possibly three players. May, we'll say maybe even four, maybe even four. I'm getting more and more optimistic as we go. But anyway, we're going to save the optimism for the third segment. First of all, you know, the loss is a loss, is a loss, whatever. I mean, eventually you get over it, better team. That's not even what I was really upset about this week. Obviously, a lot of the news came out from from Von Miller, kind of freaking out a little bit after the game, you know, really down about it, saying, you know, it's not something we can handle anymore. We're, we're not happy about it. And it's like, Yeah, good. (laughs) I mean, it sounds good. I mean, Miller hasn't been as good this year as he's been in the past. And I know there are a lot of people out there defending Von Miller, but it's just true. I mean, look, I'm a big Von Miller fan. I I, I will always be a big Von Miller fan. The dude won us a Super Bowl. He's a Super Bowl MVP, for goodness sake. But he hasn't been as good. Look at the stats. and, And my eye test says he hasn't been as good. He's not been terrible. He's been okay. He's gotten some bad breaks, but he hasn't performed like he should. And so part of his dismay is on himself. And I'm sure he feels the same way. He's disappointed about the team. He's disappointed about his performance and he knows it. It's like Chris Harris Jr. came out and said he doesn't deserve to go to the Pro Bowl. Saying that about himself. Chris Harris Jr. said that about himself. And I think that's the kind of guy you need on your team. You need someone who says, hey, look, yeah, you know, I haven't been great. I've been okay, I've been good, but there have been some games where I haven't been very good. Chris Harris Jr. said it, and I'll say it. He's had some bad games, he's had some bad plays. And this this excessive defense of the players gets a little old. I love these guys. Doesn't mean I can't criticize them. Doesn't mean I can't say, yeah, you know, Von Miller, Chris Harris Jr., they haven't been Pro Bowl caliber like they have in the past. Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, Von Miller's in the Pro Bowl. But that's just because of his name. I don't think he deserves it. I don't. Justin Simmons infinitely deserves it more than Von Miller. Not even close. Corlin Sutton deserves it more. And I would guarantee you Von Miller knows that. I bet you he tells them that. He's in on name alone. The Broncos got one player in. And Justin Simmons doesn't get in? Crazy. Partly because, you know, he plays for a bad team. And he's not really a known name yet, but the dude's been beast. I just saw on Twitter, milehighreport.com, Justin Simmons has 84 tackles, 4 interceptions, 14 passes defensed. Earl Thomas, 45 tackles, 2 interceptions, 4 passes defensed. Almost half the stats, like half, Like he, he's half as good as Justin Simmons, guys. And Earl Thomas is going to the Pro Bowl. Which shows exactly how much of a joke the Pro Bowl is. Von Miller's going Justin Simmons isn't. It's a joke. It's it's just a name thing. I mean it, you know, I'm glad Von Miller gets to go. I mean the guy's gonna be a Hall of Famer, of course. You know, and, and his name alone deserves it and, and that's okay. But if that's gonna be the case and if it's only names and, and big markets that can vote in guys, it just I don't know. Maybe we gotta stop putting so much into it. I mean it's like it's like, you know, eventually these votings are they're all, you know They're subjective, and and they come down to, look, Belichick and whoever these other guys are voting the top 100, not a single Bronco has gotten in, not one. Shannon Sharp wasn't one of the top tight ends. Are you kidding me? He's getting passed by Mike Ditka and guys who don't even have the 10th of the stats that Shannon Sharp has. So eventually, it's like, okay, either, yeah, there's some sort of, you know, hatred of the Denver Broncos, or it's really just because there is an East Coast-West Coast bias, and that's true. So who cares? I don't care if Bill Belichick votes Mike Dicka over Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp was a better player, period. Yeah, sure, he's not on this list. Neither is a single Denver Bronco. John Elway probably won't be either. But eventually, it gets under my skin. You know, the Broncos players don't make the Pro Bowl. They don't make the uh, top 100. Rockies players don't get voted into the Hall of Fame, Though hopefully this year Larry Walker finally does. It gets old. It gets really old. And now, on top of all this bad news, Kareem Jackson, who's been my favorite Bronco to watch this year, a guy that I really wanted to come to Denver, a guy who they got, has been fantastic, possibly even a Pro Bowl caliber player as well. And now he's out for the last two games because a, a DUI. And that that kind of stuff just drives me crazy. You know, I, I, I give... Kansas City and their players, a really hard time, partly because they like bringing in players who are just garbage human beings. Tell me I'm wrong. They've got a history of it. Like Cleveland now, it seems. And I won't back off from that standpoint. Now, I'm not saying Kareem Jackson is a gar- garbage human being. He didn't beat up anybody. He didn't do anything terrible like that. But it's such a bad decision. It's like, come on, man. He's, he's in, What is he, 30-something? 32, 33 He's a veteran leader on the team. He's a funny dude. I love his Twitter. The the KJAC TV is hilarious. I like the guy. What are you doing drinking and driving, man? I mean, you're making millions of dollars. It's such a bad decision. I know we've talked about it before. I know no one cares what I had to think about it, but that drives me nuts. That's exactly the type of thing you can't have in a locker room, especially from one of your leaders. Now, this happened back in September. But it's just ah oh, man, I don't know what are you doing, I mean, especially if this was during. I think it was right before the season. Maybe it was during the season, the first couple weeks. I remember it was it was in September at some point. I mean, what kind of decision making do you have to have to put yourself in your team? And this is secondary, but but just think about this. I mean, again, you know, you're joining a new team. They're looking at you as as a veteran leader. First of all, I mean, what's your decision making, going and drinking and driving and putting yourself and the team in that position? That's second of all. First of all, you could kill someone. Guys, girls, anyone listening to this podcast. And I'm not going to say, I, I, I did it once. I'll, I'll say it right now. I drank too much and I drove once. So I understand the decision making and the bad decision making, but it, it, it haunts me. Fortunately, nothing happened. Terrible decision. Unbelievably terrible decision. I could have killed someone. I could have killed myself. Don't do it. If you're an NFL player, if you're watching NFL from your couch, it doesn't matter. Don't drink and drive. Just don't do it. I mean, especially if you're making millions of dollars. What are you doing? They, I know they have, like, shuttle services. I just boggles the mind. Boggles the mind. And I hate it because... He's a guy I really liked. Seriously, he was my favorite player this year, I think. One of the... I mean, maybe him and Sutton. And now, now it's kind of ruined, you know? Now I got to look at him as being an idiot. and I hate that. And I hate it that he put people in danger because of a stupid decision. Yeah, it's a mistake. I get it. I'm not saying he's a horrible person. I have made the same mistake. Sadly, don't do it. Ah, Please, for goodness sake, look at my bad example, look at his bad example, don't ever do it. It doesn't matter if it's one, two, three, ten beers, don't get behind the wheel of a car. So a week of bad news, unfortunately, for the Denver Broncos. Justin Simmons isn't voted in, Shane is Sharp somehow doesn't get a top ten, or top... Tight ends of all time. I don't know how many there were, five or six. Just some random number. It's so stupid. Just, it's so dumb. I'm sorry. You know, I get it. Bill Belichick, Oh, red, oh I'm I just, I can't handle it. I can't watch the videos because he drives me nuts. He makes my skin crawl. Talk about, you, you, you want to talk about something negative. Here's a guy whose legacy is going to be one of the greatest coaches of all time. And he's been proven to be a cheater over and over and over. He did it again this year. And you know what happened? Absolutely nothing. His coaching staff are cheaters. He's cheated to win I mean championships, Super Bowls. And people just brush it aside. Oh no. He he's a he's a good coach. He's only gotten caught a few times. I guarantee you he cheated as much as he possibly can all the time. And he's he's smart in getting away with it most of the time. I just don't imagine that the guys like Bill Walsh. Would do that. Shanahan, even. It's called integrity. And I don't think Bill Belichick has an inch of it. Makes me sick. Anyway, we've got more optimistic stuff coming. I just had to vent a little bit because this week has been a tough one for Broncos fans, an annoying one, a frustrating one. I know we're not going to win this year. That's okay. The Kansas City loss, that's, you know, it's hard to deal because there are, they're you know, rivals and I hate them. But they're a better team. Broncos are trending upwards. I do believe that. But just all these things combined... Jackson, you know, out with a DUI. Simmons not getting in. Chain and Sharp somehow not being voted in. It, it, it just. Bill Belichick getting revered. He's he's getting these. He's getting to vote on these players. Why? Why? Tell me why. Yeah, he's a smart guy. He's a genius. He knows how to cheat really, really well. Give it a rest. Okay, up next, Skipper dude. He's going to be a little more optimistic than I am. And then the final segment. I'll talk about this upcoming week against Detroit and why I think there's a reason that this week could be a whole heck of a lot of fun. After this quick break.
1: Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect.
0: Define an opportunity.
1: Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now.
0: Identify a problem.
1: Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI.
2: Thanks as always Kevin. So today I had originally planned a rather lengthy piece on the seven things that the Broncos can do this offseason to maximize their investment in Drew Locke. But I think I'm going to push that segment off for a week or two because, guys, I got captivated this week by the Vaughn Miller interview this last weekend. Now, following the Chiefs game, Vaughn had quite a few things to say, but this was kind of his money line. He said, it's hard because I really don't even know what to say. I don't know how we got to this point. I don't know how we win like this. I really don't. It's tough being where we're at. It's tough being 30 years old and going on or going out there with whatever issues I'm dealing with and still coming up so short. It's tough playing nine years with Chris Harris and dealing with these last couple of years, especially with the standard that we have whenever we came into the league. So now on Monday, Mike Kliss publicly speculated that perhaps Vaughn wanted out of Denver. And then on Tuesday, Vaughn reiterated that he had no intentions of leaving and wanted to turn things around here in Denver. So before I get into depth and on the very legitimate meaning of Vaughn's frustration, I wanted to take a look at that turn of events from a political-speak point of view, because, of course, that's what I do for a living. Now, I've heard some folks at MHR and elsewhere speculate that Vaughn's comments were a coded message of some sort. And yes, there's absolutely no doubt about it. His comments were absolutely directed at John Elway. His long rant was basically his way of saying, John, I'm sick of losing. And Mike Kliss, who is basically John Elway's mouthpiece in the local media, when he sent Elway's public response back to Vaughn, it was basically to say, Vaughn, shut up. And when Vaughn cleared the air on Tuesday, it was basically his way of rolling his eyes and saying, sorry, dad. So end of the day, This was a family squabble of the lowest order between two hyper-competitive and passionate leaders. Don't read anything into it. It was nothing. But the deeper issue with Vaughn, I think, is a question that all of us in Bronco country are battling with. And that's from ownership to the front office, to the locker room, to the and And that is... How close is this team to competing for another Super Bowl, or at least going deep into the playoffs? And honestly, anybody who tells you with certitude one way or the other is either disingenuous or else they're just guessing, because, guys, nobody really knows. But what I thought I would do for the first time ever on Broncos and Bratwurst is to put the issue to a debate, and that debate's going to be between glass-half-full Skipper Dude... And glass half empty, Skipper Dude. I'm not sure we'll come to any real collective conclusions, but I'm hoping we can take a step closer to an answer. So let's start the debate with a look back at a thumbnail of our 2019 games and get a better feel for what this team is right now. We'll go from best games to worst games to let glass half full skipper dude kick off the debate. So the Broncos have administered two pretty solid thumpings in games this year that were really never in doubt. And and that was at home against the Titans and at Houston. Their other three wins, Two against the Chargers and at home against Cleveland were those agonizing big fangio specials where the Broncos frittered away nice leads, including a 17 to nothing halftime lead in LA, but they managed to hold on and win. But it's worth noting that none of these games required last minute miracles. They were all fairly solid victories. Now, onto the losses. There have been four Last minute, last play, one play from winning type heartbreakers this season. Chicago, Jacksonville, Indianapolis, and Minnesota. If those four games break your way, this team is currently nine and five and sitting fat for a playoff spot. Even if you'd manage to split those four games, you're seven and seven with two very winnable home games to close out and you're still in the playoff hunt. Then of course you had two losses. Oakland, which was basically your practice pancake game. You remember that one with Vic Fangio looked completely lost on the sidelines? And then Green Bay, that they were kind of a lot like most of the wins. They're the close, they're competitive, but they were definitely solid losses. Okay, so now glass half empty, Skipper Dude, over to you. So when Vaughn expresses his frustration with this team, it's really about three games. The two Chiefs games and the game at Buffalo. And yes, there were some extenuating circumstances. The Bills and last week at Kansas City were both third games for rookie quarterbacks. And I know Kevin and I have been warning all season that game three for a rookie quarterback is often brutal because opposing teams have two weeks of game film to find weaknesses and you haven't had a time to adjust to those weaknesses yet. But the reality is, this team just did not belong on the field with the elite AFC teams. And my goodness, we're not even talking about the Patriots or the Ravens here. So I think we all agree that this Broncos team is really not a 6-10 type of team. If you're glass half empty even, you see a 7-9 and type of team, I think. Talent-wise, probably just a touch below league average. If you're glass half full type, you're right now seeing some slightly above league average maybe nine and seven but really not a team that's anywhere close to competing for a Super Bowl yeah but that that nine and seven that's with eight games from Joe Flacco three from Brandon Allen and five from drew lock you give this team to walk for all of this season and you're a solid 10 and six team, and probably nailing down a wild card Right, But if Locke hadn't injured his thumb and you start him week one, you're probably stunting his growth, you're throwing him to the wolves before he's ready, and you're turning him into Mitchell Trubisky. But that sitting for Drew Locke is going to serve the Broncos organization while heading into 2020. So now, unless you're a perpetual downer, you're looking at the fact that you have your core pieces in place, a head coach, a system, two solid coordinators, and a young quarterback. And you're clearly on an upward trajectory. And I think we can all agree that by 2021, this is a team that is poised to be in a championship discussion if Drew Locke turns out to be even 90% of the quarterback that we he, he's appeared to be over his first three games. But where does that leave us for 2020? <laughs> Now I said last week that the Broncos have as many as 11 building blocks on this defense heading into next season. Maybe 9 or 10 if they completely blow up the defensive line. But the core of your defense your safeties, your linebackers are already in place and what did you see in Kansas City that makes you believe that this team is going to be able to slow down Travis Kelsey much less Patrick Mahomes and company next year. It's going to be the same basic defensive personnel. Yeah, you're going to add Chubb and Boswell be in callahan off ir hopefully maybe add a couple of free agents perhaps a draft pick or two who can work into the rotation but don't get your heart set on any rookie starters so yeah let's look at the defense i think your hope for 2020 is in vic fangio go back to the start of training camp who of us had ever even heard of alexander johnson Mike Purcell, Devontae Bosby, or Devontae Harris. Vic Fangio has a gift that is similar to Bill Belichick, and that he can take guys who may not be big draft picks or big free agents and who don't work in other systems and make them work in this scheme. This year's defense has been basically a mass unit, all kinds of injuries, but they still rank number four in the entire NFL this year in least touchdowns allowed in addition to that Fangio's defense is one that is based on sophisticated intelligent schemes and communications and it takes time and player stability to really bring out his defense's greatness so next year's defense should be better than this year's defense Yeah, a long time is right. Fangio's defenses in Chicago were number 30, number 14, number 15, and number 10 in his first four years. It wasn't until his fifth year that he really put it all together and had a league-best type of defense. As a half-glass empty guy, I can see that he's heading this team in the right direction. I like our prospects for 2021, but if this defense improves next year, I think it's only going to be marginally. And speaking of improving marginally, look Let's look at this absolute train wreck of an offensive line. Bowles is dog meat. Reisner's awesome. McGovern is okay. Right guard is a smoking hole. And Jawan James is always injured. He's looking like a straight up waste of money at this point. How does that keep Drew Logg vertical in 2020? Two words. Mike Munchak. In Pittsburgh, Munchak took a hybrid line of some top draft picks and some undrafted guys and turned them into one of the best offensive lines in football. He can do the same thing here. Munchak is the only guy whose opinion really matters as it regards Garrett Bowles. Yeah, Bowles was a train wreck with his top line stats, holding penalties and sacks. But when you start digging a little deeper into the more advanced metrics, he's really something closer to a league average type left tackle who is still playing on his rookie contract. He's not likely to be a strength of this offense, but he may be functional and he is relatively cheap. Listen, if Munchak thinks that Bowles is coachable and that another offseason of working with him is going to make things click, then we need to go with what Mike Munchak says. If he thinks Bowles is uncoachable, then he'll see to it that Elway and company go another direction during the offseason and Bowles will be gone. Okay, Drew Locke, sophomore slump. Teams are going to fear him out next year, and he's going to need a year to muscle through that, and he's going to struggle. Think Jared Goff. Think Baker Mayfield. I mean, even Patrick Mahomes is not the same guy he was last year. Locke's footwork is a mess, even after a year learning under Rich Gangarello. And if he doesn't clean that up, he's going to be an interception machine by next year. I mean, I like this offense heading into 2020 better than I like the Joe Flacco offense to start 2019, but good enough to go deep into the playoffs? Sorry, I'm not seeing it. I'm going to take some comfort in what I saw in Houston a couple of weeks ago. I don't see why that can't be a preview of things to come. You know what makes Patrick Mahomes great? Yeah, Patrick Mahomes is definitely part of it, a big part of it. But what makes him great is Andy Reid who is an offensive mastermind. Eric Bieniemy, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey. It's a holistic deal. It takes a village. And I'll tell you this much. If the Broncos can land another 1B type of wide receiver to Cortland Sutton's 1A, maybe a CeeDee Lamb or a LaVisca Shenault type of a guy, then I'll honestly take the Broncos' skill players on offense over the Chiefs. That's a bold statement, I know. But I'm seeing Noah fan taking a step into the Kelsey strata of tight ends next year sutton is better than watkins and the chiefs don't have anything resembling philip lindsey or royce freeman you add that to the artistry we saw from rich sangarello in this houston game good coaching that you know you're going to get from mike munchak and i'm convinced that this team can be a legitimate 11 and 5 if not even a 12 and 4 type of team in 2020 Okay, so there you have it my, my thoughts on next year and whether the Broncos are going to be ready to take a big step forward or whether they're going to need to continue their rebuild little step by little step. I can't honestly say I have an answer, but I'm going to as, as I'm going through these arguments, I have to say that I'm more drawn to this guy but that's probably because I'm a half glass a glass half full kind of guy by nature. Kevin, Back to you.
0: Good stuff from the skipper, dude. I really appreciate, as always, him sending in his thoughts. Um, I really agree on on I think almost everything, as I typically do. Uh, he's a little more optimistic than I am sometimes, but I think he's he's right on the money that there are issues with this team in 2020. Drew Locke as a sophomore and your offensive line, defensive line, I think is also going to be a problem. They're gonna have to completely rebuild that defensive line. You know the injury issue. Can can Callahan come back healthy? Can Juwan James ever be healthy? If things go right, I think he he. I think Skipper dude's correct. I I think this team could be a playoff team next year and could be really good. I, I really believe that. They they need a lot of things to go right. John Elway needs to have a really fantastic offseason, and I think that's what Von Miller is saying. Von Miller saying, look, we've waited three years and we've kind of you know suffered through this stuff. This crap. Because we didn't we couldn't find the quarterback and we kind of as a team knew that. We knew, yeah, there was more going on here, you know, we couldn't really find the guy. And so that's why we were bad. I think Von Miller right now is saying, Look, guys, we've got the guy. This offseason, no more excuses. This team's got to be built to win right now. Von Miller knows, he sees how the NFL works. How do you win in the NFL? Hall of Fame quarterback or cheap young quarterback? Period. Now, we have to hope that Drew Locke becomes that 10-year guy who has a Hall of Fame trajectory. That's our long-term hope. Of course, right now, our short-term hope is that he's cheap and he can win us games and not lose games. He can make the throws when he needs to, not make too many mistakes. And heck, if he can turn into the next you know, Patrick Mahomes or, or Brett Favre, fantastic. Vaughn Miller knows right now, The Denver Broncos have a lot of money coming into the offseason. They have not re-signed Justin Simmons. They have not re-signed Wolf, who I don't know if if he would sign anyway. Other guys on defense. Maybe Shelby Harris, who I've heard isn't going to stay. Maybe, I don't know, Mike Purcell. Anyway, I think Von Miller is starting to see, hey, look, you know, I think we should start signing these guys. He doesn't want Justin Simmons to go. He knows Justin Simmons is one of the key cogs to that defense. And I think that he's starting to see, hey, look, the rebuild that has happened over the last year or two because of two good drafts, I'm okay with it, but but that's it now. We have the QB, no more excuses. And he was kind of taking it yeah, I think he was taking a, not even a jab at John Elway. I think he was poking him in the ribs and saying, okay, John, look, I'm one of your greatest players of all time. I am a legacy for this team probably one of the top five or even three Broncos ever and this is the prime of my life I'm 30 years old I need better players around me and I think that he sees Von Miller that is that he sees they've got a good coaching staff they got good schemes decent schemes at least and now they get the quarterback so this is it Von Miller's telling John Elway look man you got to go all in This offseason is all in. You got to figure out what all in means, what we need. Maybe it's drafting a wide receiver. And then stacking up the offensive line in in free agency, drafting offensive line, stacking up wide receiver in free agency, whatever. I I actually don't mind what Von Miller said. He He wasn't throwing anyone under the bus. He was saying, look, yeah, he's in the prime of his life. Broncos have a quarterback, now's the time to win. That's I think that's okay. He was frustrated, and he didn't say anything wrong. I don't really understand why people were freaking out about it. I think you're seeing the, the veterans of this team starting to, to realize, hey, look, you know, we're wasting our lives here. Our time, our, our, our the prime of our careers are being wasted. And is is it worth it? But I, I, I get a little bit of a glimmer of hope from it, too. I think Von Miller knows that now this team is not far off. They're getting closer and closer to being really good. And that's what's frustrating, I think. I think that's even probably more frustrating than being just downright terrible like they were with, with say, Simeon. Now he knows, okay, Locke's here. Let's go. Let's go. This is it. We've got the guy, and we're not winning. And it's not his fault. It's our fault. But look at next year. You got Bradley Chubb coming back. You got Callahan coming back. You hopefully have James as healthy. Simmons should definitely be re signed. Jackson's still here. Harris Jr. is probably gone. Bringing another cornerback. I've heard them looking at this guy, uh, Schobert from, from Cleveland as a middle linebacker. I think that'd be fantastic. The dude is a tackling machine. You put Schobert next to um, I was gonna say Marshall. Uh, the T Rex, <laughs> jeez, what's his name? Ah, uh, my apologies. The 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 dinosaur. Um, and I think you got a really good middle linebacking core. You got Chubb. You got Miller. I think a couple of these young guys have been decent, showing that they they could have a future on the team. You're going to really need to rebuild that defensive line, though. In offensive line, in the trenches, this is what's the issue, and I think that's part of also Von Miller's. I think that's what he's frustrated about. They've got some really skilled players, but the big dudes are just not good enough. Like the Skipper Dude said, the offensive line is practically garbage. And I think he's not far off. Skipper Dude texted me the other day. He said, hey, you know, what do you think about Garrett Bowles? And honestly, I didn't have an answer. I've been the harshest critic of Garrett Bowles. And I think deservedly so. But he has played better, and I think Skipper Dude said, you know, who's better who, who are you going to bring in that's better now i think if they have a top 10 pick and or even top 15 pick and they draft an offensive line who who falls great you know a, a left tackle who falls you know you go with them and garrett bowles is gone or garrett bowles is your backup whatever but if not I mean, maybe you do roll with him. Maybe you hope that Munchak has one more year. Maybe he gets it in. But, you know, Bowles has so many penalties, he doesn't seem to ever understand it. So I don't want him to stay, but I could see the Broncos keeping him. Because he is a talented guy. You see the skills. He's just not very smart. And I think that the Broncos have found out, John Elway has found out, that you've got to draft intelligent players. I think that's why Lindsey was brought in after the draft, even though, yeah, he should have been drafted by somebody. Obviously, Cortland Sutton just just strikes me as being an extremely intelligent person. Noah Fant, maybe not to the same extent. I think Noah Fant is this freakish, freakish athlete. Who's I'm not saying he's dumb at all. I, I mean, not don't I don't mean to give that impression at all. I don't know if he's known for his intelligence. I haven't seen it like I've seen it with Cortland Sutton. Let's just say that. Dude, dude could be a genius, I'm not sure. But I, I think that pick was more because he's he's a he's a freak. He really is. I think Drew Locke is a smart dude. You see it with Drew Locke. Look at Drew Locke and Paxton Lynch. Just look at them come together. Look at their interviews. Look how they handle themselves. I love how Drew Locke handles himself. He laughs at himself. He makes jokes. He's He's just natural. And I think that players feed off that. Teammates feed off that. I think that he, especially after a couple of years in the league, I think he could be a great leader. And I think players are going to follow him because he's genuine. Who are the people that we love most in the world? Think about this. Sit there and think just for a second. Who are the people? Who are your? Let's not say family because you, you have to love your family. But let's say your friends. What friends do you love the most you just really, really enjoy? Think about it for a second. Why do you enjoy them? Why do you love them so much? Your, your friends, your best friends. Now, sometimes it's because you've literally known them since you were four. Okay, that's fair enough. But a lot of the time, it's because these people are the most unique. They're genuine. They're themselves. They're comfortable in their own skin. And that makes you comfortable. It makes you comfortable in your own skin. It makes you like being around them. You like their company. You like being in their circle. And I firmly believe that is Drew Locke. You see it. It oozes off of him. I really think you can see his teammates actually like him. Do they trust him? I don't know. Probably not yet. He's a rookie. Okay. I mean, no one trusts rookies until they've proven something. That's just life. But I think they like him because he's natural. You just watch these KJAC interviews, and the dude is just, he's so cool, you know? And I think he's arrogant. I think he's probably maybe a bit of a, a jerk at times, but I don't think he's this Aaron Rodgers guy. You know, I don't think he's this, you know, I'm just better than everyone. You know, I'm going to talk really slow so you all can understand since you're all way dumber than me. Oh, Aaron Rod. Don't even get me started on Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> anyway, most overrated quarterback of all time, I think. Yeah, harsh take, I know. Anyway, I love Locke. And I want to get into, starting from Locke, I want to get into the the two guys who I I talked about in the first segment about who I think are going to be great, who could be great. It could be four. And I think there are two that I'm really convinced will be great. Cortland Sutton will be great. He's already showing he can be great. The dude makes every catch. He runs good routes. He's got decent hands. He's gotten better this year. And he wants it. The dude wants it. He's smart and he wants it. You see all of his all of his teammates out there like, yeah, this dude is he's got some kind of, you know, crazy factor about him. And that's freaking awesome. I love that. I love that about him. I, I honestly, he might be my favorite Bronco, Cortland Sutton. And I've said that since he was a rookie. Anyone who's followed this show knows I was a Sutton fan since the beginning, before he was putting up these numbers. Because you see it. You see him on the field. I loved him on the field from the start because he had that intelligence. You could tell that he knew where to be on the field, when to hurry up on the field. He wasn't messing around. He's pumped up. I love that. Anyway, Cortland Sutton, I think he's going to be one of the next great Broncos. The other guy who I truly think is going to be great is Noah Fant. And, and, And again, anyone who follows the show knows I love that pick. I love Noah Fant. I think he has the tools to be special, I mean Travis Kelsey special. Now, will he be able to block like George Kittle? Uh, probably not. Will he be as good as George Kittle? I don't know. George Kittle is is awesome. I mean, I I love George Kittle. The guy is he's another guy. Who's just he's a freak. He's freakishly athletic and strong, and he's nasty. You watch this guy block. The dude is nasty. I mean, I would take I would take fifty George Kittles on my team any day of the week. So I don't know if he's gonna be George Kittle, but. I f- truly think that Noah Fant will be one of the top three tight ends in his first three years. And I've said that since he was drafted. I can go back and find the audio if you'd like. He just has it. You know, if he if he can control, if he can be tough, if Noah Fant can, can spend some time with Sutton and get that nastiness, th- the sky is the limit for Noah Fant now the other two I think could be I think Dalton Reisner could be partly because of his mentality and he's a talented dude I think he could be great it's hard to say I, i'm not I, I'm not an offensive line guy I've seen some good plays from him I've seen some bad plays from him if they put other guys around him who can actually block I think he could be a guy you you actually build an offensive around an offense around especially like these zone blocking schemes where he pulls out you know and, and runs around the corner or whatever I think he could be amazing. They just got to put a little more help around him. Um the, the fourth guy The fourth guy, I think Sorry, the fourth guy could be Drew Lock. Very early it, it, it's it's hard to say obviously if it's going to happen. But like these other three guys Uh, like two of the other guys, I don't know about Fant, but like the others, he's got it. And what I love about him, and John Elway said this too, there are some things about a guy you just don't know until you see him on the field. He can be the best practice player of all time. The Broncos have had those. And then they get out on the field, and they can't do squat. Part of it is just being able to handle the pressure. That's unbelievably hard i mean can you imagine 300 pound dudes running at you as fast as they can to try to hit you as hard as they can that's not easy i played a little football and i was on defense and that was still not easy that's scary when you have a tight end i, I played a little bit of free safety when you had a tight end and i'm not huge i'm i'm you know 5 200 yeah 2 two ten. and when you got a tight end who's 6 230 running at you oh man it's at least for me, it was kind of like, a oh, crap, I'm going to die. And I practically did. So it's a hard job. And Julak didn't seem to be overwhelmed by it. He really didn't. Trevor Samien was a good example. When he first started, I think he, he had that ability to just kind of brush things off. And then I remember, I don't remember the exact play. I'm sure someone at Mile High Park could tell me. But there was a play where he got just absolutely demolished. On a sack. I mean just. Dude got rocked. And since then. He he he, he was never the same again. Ever. He heard footsteps. He, he couldn't. He didn't have that it in the pocket. Right now at least. Drew Locke has that it. I mean he is so much better in the pocket than Joe Flacco. It's unbelievable. Really. Watch him in the pocket. And then go back and watch Joe Flacco. It's insane. How much better. Drew Locke looks in the pocket. Now, as I said in his first two games, Drew Locke's footwork is not great. But you know what? You know who else has terrible footwork? Just like we said last week. Patrick Mahomes has terrible footwork, man. He's got terrible footwork. The guy makes some of the dumbest throws I've ever seen in my life. And on in he's got the talent that most of them work. I really think that in he he's kind of slowed down a bit this year, Mahomes partly because he's been injured. I think it's going to catch up to him. I don't know if he's a guy... He's a guy who's going to be like Brett Favre, who's going to win. He's probably going to win a Super Bowl or two. But he's going to lose a lot of playoff games because of some really bad decisions. He's he's kind of that Brett Favre guy, that gunslinger. It's like, dude, what are you doing? You know, Throwing, throwing off your back foot across the field. That's Patrick Mahomes. And I think that's Drew Locke, too. I, I think there's some similarities between these two guys, which could be awesome, which could be... I mean, you got two gunslingers in the in the AFC West. I'm excited for that. Now, this last week was crap, but in the future, I think that could be a dope matchup between Mahomes and Drew Locke. Okay, this week, I'm not even going to go too much into this week. The Detroit Lions are a terrible team. Um, They're really banged up. I I saw their injury report, and it's something like 13 guys or something. They've got their quarterback. I think it sounds like it's going to be Kyle Slaughter. Slaughter, I don't know how you say his name, Um, who obviously was the Broncos, the, the the Fan-favorite third-string quarterback back, what, I don't know, three or four years ago. And, yeah, so, yeah, not great. And they got, like, none of their receivers are healthy. Their running backs are hurt. Their defense is banged up. The Broncos should absolutely demolish Detroit. And this is a key game. This is, in my mind, this game is more important than Kansas City. Now, I know that that's kind of lame, In kind of a cop-out, but I mean, Kansas City is way more talented, and they're just better, so you lose, you lose, whatever. This Detroit game, you've got to win. You have to. I mean, you've got to go in, and and honestly, you shouldn't just win. You should spank Detroit. The Broncos are seven-point favorites. At home, you've got to put the pedal to the metal and just thump them. If you lose this game, I'm honestly worried, especially about the coaching staff. The coaching staff has got to get them up for this game. If they don't, the alarm bells are going to start ringing for me. So yeah, it's a garbage game. Two bad teams at the end of the year. The game doesn't matter. Honestly, in the long run, it's probably better if the Broncos lose for a better draft position. But since now you have Drew Locke, you have this youth movement, this is a game you have to prove it. You have to. The coaching staff, as a rookie coaching staff, needs to prove they can get this team up. The team can get themselves up. Their veterans can get up. Chris Harris Jr. will still be playing for his future. Vaughn Miller still going to get up. He's going to go out there and ball. Got to prove it. It's a prove-it week. I, I really believe it. It is. It's a prove-it week. And then, of course, against the Raiders in the last week, it's the same deal. Are they must-win? No. In the grand scheme of things, no, they're not. Again, losses are probably better. But you can't lose. You can't lose this week. You can't. Not against Detroit. Their coach is almost surely going to be fired. They're on their what, like fourth or fifth quarterback. They've got no skilled players on either side of the ball. I, I, I want the Broncos to go. I, I want Drew Locke to pass for over 300. I want Fant, Sutton, everyone getting in. In my fantasy post on myahariaport.com, I got two Broncos starting again, even though last week every other player was amazing except for the Broncos. Uh, I shouldn't have put... Offensive players for the Broncos in Kansas City in the snow. That was kind of a dumb decision, but this week is different. I think they're going to own them. I hope they own them. If they don't, we're going to have another very depressing discussion next week on Broncos and Bratwurst podcast. Thank you all for listening. I am I, planning on being back next week, even though I know it's 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 Christmas week. Um, but I think if I can, I will have a podcast next Friday to, to discuss the Detroit victory hopefully or the victory over detroit i should say and then the game against the oakland raiders until then if i don't see you all actually i guess i won't see you all until before christmas so a very merry christmas and happy holidays stay safe out there enjoy the week and enjoy your families and yeah i'll see you next friday